Welcome to it. It's Husker Sports Weekly, your one-stop shop for all things Husker Sports. Episode number 112 for you this week. Happy Friday, everybody. I am I'm very happy it's Friday. To it be is honest. a great day I'm, for it to be Friday. I'm so happy that it's Friday. We got a lot of Husker stuff to talk about. Softball started today, so that's exciting stuff. They've already won two games today. Uh, we'll talk men's and women's basketball as we creep closer and closer to March. We'll also give you a little bit of bracketology. We'll touch on Husker football as always. And Husker baseball is seven days away, which is very, very exciting stuff. But before we get into any of that, Connor Clark and Grant Hansen here with you. As always, you can find us on Twitter at C underscore Clark underscore 27 and at Hansen, not Hanson. E-N, not O-N, folks. I hope I enunciated that well enough. That for, was good. That might have been. For everybody. It honestly might have been your best enunciation thus far. Well, I'll... I'll make sure to clip that, and I'll listen to it every week so I don't mess it up. Yeah, you can stick follow. It, stick it right there, right next to the Jeremiah Searles clip. I will. <laughs> uh, you can follow our show on Twitter at Husker Weekly and search Husker Sports Weekly in the search bar of your favorite podcast networks to find our show. Okay, let's go. Husker softball started today. They've won two games already. Um, I have to go and look at the final scores, but they won eight nothing and five in one of their games against Houston. And they're currently either they're. I think no, they lost one. Oh no, they did lose one. Yeah. I apologize. They lost one nothing to South Dakota State. But uh, okay, they're one and one in the doubleheader, and they beat they beat Lamar rather. They beat Lamar in the first yep. game eight nothing, and then they lost to SDSU in the second game one nothing. They had three hits, no errors. SDSU had one run, four hits, no errors. Uh, first game, though, looked really, really good for the Huskers. Um, they won in five innings. They scored eight runs. Didn't seem to have too many problems. They one hit Lamar. Lamar also had five errors. But whatever you can take from another team, I mean, go ahead and take it. So uh, a solid start for Husker softball here early on in the season. Uh, as they kind of get going here, we'll progress our coverage on Coach Rhonda Ravel's team because, I mean, she's an absolute legend in the sport, especially here. Um, and, and she she always puts together fun fun rosters that that are fun to watch. And Bowling Stadium got, you know, pretty loud last year in, in a couple of meaningful games down the stretch. And they had a Big Ten title in their sights for a little bit there. Obviously, Northwestern exists, and they're really, really good at softball. But right. Those games are fun to go to. I have a good time. Yeah, I have a good time calling them. I usually I don't usually don't end up there unless I am working, which is generally yeah. how it's been for me. But those games those games are always really fun. So you're a um, bad fan? No, I'm I'm, I'm not a fan actually. <laughs> uh, as you, Connor, I'm all not right. a fan. All right, all right, not a fan all of right. this business. Uh, <laughs> but no, it's 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 a good setup, obviously, and um. Yeah, plenty of folks were there towards the end of the year last year. The Big Ten is really interesting, and we'll, of course, talk uh, more about it as we go along. But it's very experienced this year, experienced um, top to bottom. Nebraska's got a really solid set in the middle infield, but, um, and, they, and they bring a good amount of experience back from a year ago. But it really is not, yeah, I think it's like in the bottom half of the league compared to everybody else. Um, who returns a, just a ridiculous amount of starting power um, and defensive uh, prowess from last season. So really fascinating year ahead for Nebraska, who's, again, experienced, but every other team in the conference is in the same boat. Should be a good softball conference this year. Big Ten usually is is pretty solid at softball from top to bottom. Obviously, you have Northwestern, as I mentioned earlier. They're coming off of a College World Series berth, which I think was their first ever um, but they're preseason top ten, so they're a team to watch out for, um, and just a, a couple of really good teams around the around the conference. So be sure to uh, keep an eye on them. Could have another fun season in store over at Bowling Stadium. Let's switch gears over to basketball. Nebraska women's basketball tough loss last night. Not a not a great loss against Illinois at PBA. No, I I would upgrade that to bad. Yeah. The 20-0 run? I didn't watch the game because I was 20 20-0 run, um, you know, from up 10 to down 10 in a blink of the eye. Really they bad They were leading going into the fourth, right? I think so. Uh, but again, it's just a situation where you kind of felt like this team is, something's off. And you felt, I think I felt that way 
probably for the majority of the year, like even when they beat Kansas, it's just it nothing has felt right. And Especially it just now, it, it yeah. just doesn't feel like they're the team that they were a year ago. And it's a huge missed opportunity because it was a chance to pick off a team that was ranked the last time we did our show, um, was number twenty seven entering the game last night on Thursday. So again, just a huge, huge missed opportunity for a team that is on the bubble and needs all the help that it can get. Yeah, they are about as on the bubble as you could possibly get right now, and we'll get to that in a second. Remaining games, they have five left, so not not much room for error here. As Nebraska stands at fourteen and ten on the year, they are six and seven in the Big Ten Conference. The remaining five games at number twelve Michigan, at Minnesota, at home against number five Iowa, at Illinois. And then at home against Northwestern on February 26th. And then it's Big Ten tournament time from the 1st of March through the 5th up in Indian, or not Indianapolis, huh. Minneapolis, excuse me. Um, but a, a big five game stretch before that postseason tournament. Right now, and this was updated today at 9 30 this morning, well, 8 30 our time, 9 30 Eastern. Nebraska is still in. They are the last four in right now. They are in a 12 seed play in game. They would, ho- or they would play. Mississippi State in a play-in mm, game, which as is a rematch right now. Yes, uh, as projected, is a rematch. Yes. So, despite the loss, they are they are team number sixty-seven out of sixty-eight right now. Mississippi State is number team is team number sixty-eight um, as we stand right now. So, I'm going to take a look here, and Illinois is currently. I don't want Illinois State. I want Illinois. Why do I have Illinois State twice? Illinois. ESPN, what are we doing here? Illinois State is in here twice, and they're both 13 seeds. Anyway, they're in the tournament somewhere. I just can't find them. What? There's Illinois State twice. There's one in the Seattle region and one of the Greenville region. Illinois anyway. is on the nine line. Nine line. For me. Okay, we'll go with that. Against well, thank Creighton. You. Creighton. 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 Mm. But... Yeah, it's just, you, I think you said it best. It's just something's off. And, I mean, turnovers haven't helped. I mean, they turned the ball over 24 times against a Northwestern team that's not good this year on the road. They ended up winning, but it was a game that they should have ran away with. Um, they and keep, they just didn't. They keep having these instances where they sort of dance with it's like a, it's not quite a, you know dance with death is a little bit too like <laughs> aggressive but it, but it's, it's just this, basketball <laughs> it's it's this dance with failure basically right or like really just teetering on the edge of disaster and just getting by it, they did it against Michigan State they did it against Northwestern and it came back to bite them this last week i it's really weird and it's hard to put together what the issue exactly is it really seems like for me, you got to win three of the next five. Oh yeah, you have to beat Minnesota, Illinois, and Northwestern to stay in, mm-hmm. and then you know, not. I you would probably need at least you know a win in the Big Ten tourney. Like you're not gonna, if you make a first round exit there, then I think your postseason, at least your postseason uh, NCAA tourney hopes are in, in turmoil. One of the more disappointing things as I look at the box score here from this game and. Four of the five starters for Nebraska were all in double figures. Sam Hybe had 15, Markowski had 14, Shelley had 12, and Bourne had 11. I mean, you'd think that'd be enough, right, right. to get it done. But off the bench, Maddie Kroll had, or excuse me, she was the only other starter. She had seven. But off the bench, a combined five points. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's the thing, right? Like, if you're trying to put a finger on what's missing... I touched on it last week with Allison Widener. It is the depth. I mean, that is definitely an issue. I mean, even last year, and we talked about it, we felt like going into the year, Nebraska was going to have some pretty decent depth. Maggie Mendelson, uh, once she got back from the volleyball side of things, um, you know, you felt like, yeah, like losing Bella Cravens is a loss. Mendelson played two minutes last night, by the way. Losing Cravens is a loss, but you should be able to overcome it. Nebraska just has not been able to get production off the bench. That's where Allison Widener was huge. Was, she was a borderline starter. Too. Right? No, she was. I mean, I think she probably would be a starter in favor of Kroll if she was healthy. Yeah, I I agree. And that obviously injuries are a part of the game. 
doesn't help Nebraska in this case, and they drop a big one at home. 72-64, the final score. Nebraska had a lead going into that fourth quarter, but a 23-point outburst by Illinois in that fourth quarter was enough to uh, put the Fighting Illini back on top. And, uh, they, I mean, they've had a pretty good year, so it's not knocking the Illini whatsoever, but um, it's a game that, if you're Nebraska, you'd like to have back. Once again, next home game, February 18th, hosting Iowa, and they want PBA to be sold out for that one, so make sure to head on out there on Saturday, 1 p.m., February 18th, and it's a week from tomorrow, and it yeah. should be a, a really a really fun atmosphere. Hopefully they can try and get it done at number 12 Michigan and at Minnesota beforehand to, to build up the hype into that game. But either way, um, anytime Iowa comes into town, that's always a good time uh, with Amy Williams' team, and it should be a, a fantastic basketball game. So once again, Nebraska women's basketball, 14-10, and 6-7 and in the conference. Uh, they're 9-4 and four at home, 3-6 and six on the road, 2-0 and oh at neutral sites, and uh, they try and bounce back from a loss against Illinois at home. Let's go over to the men's side here real quick. They're at 11-14 and 14 in a game in which they travel to Michigan, and every time Nebraska got it within 10, Michigan had some sort of run. And Hunter Dickinson for that entire first half was a non-factor, and it still he had no didn't matter. It's like still literally, literally a yeah. non-factor. He had two fouls as well. Yeah, it's a, a really weird game. Like, <laughs> like, like this was a game where, like, at one point Nebraska was down like twenty points, and then and then they come back and they cut it to ten, and then it's just such. A, it was a great game for Casey Tomanaga. Uh, again, like I think you really start to think here as you come down the stretch that that maybe perhaps the storyline of this last month of the season is if Casey can extend his level of play through the rest of the year and sort of prove that his growth this year is for real and not a fluke. Uh, so that'll be a storyline to watch against Wisconsin on Saturday because here's the thing, like, if you look at Wisconsin, uh, it doesn't really feel like if Casey is playing at this level that he's been playing the last couple of games, they have someone who can match him scoring-wise. Uh, so I, I think that that's kind of fascinating uh, for me. Everything else just wasn't there. And again, it's just like this team that's really depleted. And it's this one, and it's the same thing, by the way. Like we've been seeing all year one step forward, two steps back, right? Like you get a win and you immediately follow it up with a letdown in the next game. And we've seen that all year long. Uh, so, th- like, it, that would be one thing that's really, really interesting, too, to think about why is that? Because it doesn't really matter seemingly what players are on the floor. Nebraska, after a win, takes a step back every time well and they put up enough points i mean they scored 72 points yeah and that matched their total from the game before against penn state they gave up 93 which was the big problem they gave up 46 in the first half 47 in the second half that's not a recipe for success that's a game where you really need gary and bandamel on the floor obviously you can't because they're out they're out for the rest of the year Tomanaga finished with, as you said, Grant, another fantastic game. 24 points on 10 of 16 shooting. He was 50% from beyond the arc, 4 of 8. Derek Walker had a nice game offensively. He had 15 points, 7 of 14 from the floor. Struggled at the free throw line, so that still needs to be cleaned up. He had 7 rebounds and 8 assists. Uh, Greasel had 9. Jamarcus Lawrence had 3. Denim Dawson with 2. Wiltshire with 7. One of the questions that I have is, what, what has happened to blaze Cada and where is his minutes gone he played yeah. two minutes <clears throat> yeah that's true yeah it's a fascinating that's a fascinating thing too to think about uh, at the same he, time he just doesn't quite fit the i don't think he's like a good enough scorer i mean he was brought in as one of the best juco players in the country and now i mean he fulfilled a larger role earlier in the year especially when Derek was out obviously he was the star he was the starting center when Derek was out and now he barely sees the floor. I know he got banged up in the middle of the season, but I would imagine he's over that now. He's dressed for every single game anyway, but only playing two minutes. And he looks like he's back to being uncomfortable out there because when right. he was needed, when Walker would get into foul trouble, they'd turn to Blaze Kata. He'd give you pretty solid minutes off the bench because he had that starting experience when Derek missed the first handful of games or so. And now, I mean, 
this is no disrespect, but Oleg played more minutes than than Blaze at Michigan. I think that's kind of backwards. Yeah, and that's that's definitely something that I yeah, I think that really supports your point. I mean, come on. Right. And that like yeah, there's a bunch of questions there. There's there's questions too about like okay, like does Casey come back next year? Right? Like does he does he if he ha- continues yeah. to have this level of success, does he move on to or return to Japan? And begin a professional career. He's going to Duke. Uh, yeah, or transfer somewhere else in the states. Yeah, I think there are some questions there certainly to be had. Is uh, is the the tension really starts to turn from okay, can Nebraska put together some form of momentum for the postseason, uh, and and a little bit more towards who's staying next year, who's going, um, you know, right from players on up to the head coach. Right now in. Obviously, a handful of games left in the Big Ten tournament looming. My list of guys that I wouldn't be surprised to go or like maybe will go. I think I think Tominaga is on that list. To be honest, I think Wilcher's on that list. I think Wilhelm is on that list, and I think Kata is trending towards being on that list as of right now. Okay, would you agree? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Because, I mean, CJ just needs a place where he can get on the floor more, first of all, Mm -hmm. and play at a level that he is... I don't want to say he's not confident playing at this level, but it's just the the results haven't been there for CJ this year, and they were supposed to be there this year for CJ, and he just hasn't been able to prove that. So I think if... I think he'll go and play at a level where he can succeed a little bit more. Um, you mentioned Tomonaga possibly going back to Japan as a professional route. If he keeps us up, probably wouldn't be a bad move monetarily either. Right. Oh well, and uh, Robin Washit is that's the sense he's getting. Okay. Per 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 this morning's tunnel talk on HuskerOnline.com. There's that that could be a possibility. There are questions about it last year, uh, and he decided to come back. So there's a I mean. Theoretically, it's possible that he decides to do that this year. At the same time, I, I mean, like, just from an external, this is like nothing, literally zero to do with anything I've heard, because I have heard nothing. But just from the outside perspective, I almost kind of get the feeling that he really likes being here and the attention does, yeah. he gets. And, like, let's be real, right? Like, with Derek Walker and Sam Griesel moving on next year, if Casey decided to come back, it would be his team, which is such which a is weird ridiculous. thing to say. It's such a weird thing oh to say. Oh, my gosh. But but it's, like, <laughs> this would be Casey's team next year. Like, he would be the most recognizable face, most recognizable name in the program. That would and be he would amazing. And he would be a guy that, like, <laughs> literally every fan in this state cares about. So... There's that value too, and I think I, I kind of get the feeling again that there's this kind of symbiotic nature there to the relationship where he really likes kind of being around here. I mean, I, again, like you saw the video of him advertising the chicken strips and all that <laughs> yes, stuff this the week. Chicken strips. Uh, first 300 students who go to the game tomorrow get chicken strips. Get your chicken strips. I like again, like it seems like I th- that's my thought about why it's possible he could choose to stay. The fact that you just uttered that this could potentially be Casey Tomanaga's team next year, and I'm not saying you're wrong, because you're right. No, I mean, because it can't be Wilcher, even if Wilcher stays, because no. he, he is a, like, Casey is making a run right now to be the most, I mean, heck, at this point in the game, right, like, he might be the most recognizable face of the team, at least for the past week and a week and a half, right? Like, so he's trying to make a push here in February, I feel like, and it's well within reach for him to sort of become the face of the franchise, at least for maybe a year. I mean, he's being recognized right now as one of the better scorers in the conference, which is something I didn't think that we'd be talking about going into the, this year. I mean, in February, obviously the month is very young, 30 points, 24 points, he had performances of 13, 22, and 11 twice, and 16, all in the month of January. He's averaging 11.6 points per game, which I'll see where that, I believe that's second on the team. 
Uh, I will pull up the team stats right now, but I mean, he he's as of as of late in the last like three four games, he's been one of the best scores in the conference, which is ridiculous to say. He's yeah, he's second on the team in points per game. Mm. Yeah, eleven point six, and then right behind Derek Walker. So yeah, this is it's fascinating. And and look, like obviously, if Nebraska wants any hope at the postseason, they need to win tomorrow's or tomorrow's game. You get Wisconsin. Um, you would need to get the return of Chucky as well, right? Who's the team's leading scorer, by the way, for the Badgers? Badgers have nobody. Like Hepburn leads the team in scoring twelve point nine points per game. So again, it's sort of a similar situation to Nebraska, where you really don't have again, like Johnny Davis is not coming through that door for the Badgers, and so they've been limited offensively. It feels like in a lot of ways all season long as a team this year they averaged 65 points per game so look they're they're still really well coached and well disciplined and all the things that a Greg guard team is they're 14 and 9 but they've had to grind out wins all year long Mm -hmm. working hard on the defensive end and scoring just enough to get by so like that's the type of team that Nebraska is capable of beating um, because of some of their their defensive limitations right um, so you're 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 not going to have a team theoretically score 93 points against you like you just had with Michigan. This is a very very different type of game that's coming down the pipe Saturday, right? Like all year long, Nebraska or rather Wisconsin has drawn like football comparisons to their first half scoring, right? Uh, so that that's a winnable game for Nebraska. Rutgers on the road, nigh impossible. I like that. Was, like, that's going to be a tough one next week. You get Maryland at home. I kind of get the feel the Terrapins are streaky at times. Minnesota, yeah, you can probably win. Um, the yeah, rest of the Minnesota, games are Minnesota, you better win. Yeah, like, you better beat Minnesota. I mean, like theoretically, Nebraska has two possible wins left in the tank. I would agree. I would agree with that statement, and and that's changed for me over the course of the way. I didn't think they were going to beat Penn State. And Which, credit to you, you were God. knocked that out of the park. I mean, they I, almost I, messed it up. I mean, did. Did you also expect a case a thirty bomb in that game? No. no, no. So that definitely helped your cause. But yeah, I think you know Wisconsin is definitely winnable tomorrow. Rutgers is one of those games where, I mean, they just lost to Indiana this week. I think it's going to be one of those games where they're just at home and they're kind of clicking, especially late in the year because they need to make a push themselves if they yes. want an NCAA tournament. Maryland is an odd team. You mentioned they're streaky. I agree. Minnesota, they're just bad this year. They're awful. They're just really bad. Uh, Michigan State, they're kind of fighting for their lives right now, and they will be down the stretch. They come to town February 28th, um, and then you go to Iowa to finish off the year. So six games remaining for the Husker men's basketball team. Yeah, they could get two. And by the way, speaking of Iowa, Iowa. not not to dump all of Robin's uh, incredible. Let's just get tunnel Robin. talk. Tunnel talk scoop in here. Let's just get Robin on here. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, but again, this is just just to give you a hint of what you can find for yourself over on HuskerOnline.com. Subscribing right now will give you uh, all the way through, I believe, the start of the football season, October, August thirty first. It's thirty bucks. So a lot of content coming your way. But uh, Robin reported that. Fran McCaffrey is a potential target uh, for Notre Dame. Um, so Mike uh, Bray, with Mike Bray moving on at Notre Dame, Fran McCaffrey is a, poten- a potential target for the Fighting Irish. There's some buzz around that. Um, and McCaffrey's wife went to Notre Dame and played basketball at Notre Dame. So yeah, just something to keep on uh, your radar. There's some rumors floating around there that McCaffrey could be um, potentially targeted by the Fighting Irish. So there you go. There's a there's there's a little rumor mill stuff for you again. That's the type of stuff you can find in Tunnel Talk. Interesting. I would not. Also, you're a direct competitor technically, so I'm bleeping that entire thing. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm joking. That would be interesting. That would be very interesting because you have the Notre Dame job that's open, and that's that's like a bigger job, I mm-hmm. guess, in college basketball. And then you. You have the Texas job that's open too. Technically, I don't know if they'll rehire their interim. I would honestly, if I were them, I would, because they've had a tre- tremendous amount of success this year. Anyway, 
Uh, one name that, and I know we're kind of going off the rails here, but right. One name that really intrigues me for the Texas job, and I doubt this would happen, but it would be insane if it did, is if Ed Cooley ends up leaving Providence for Texas. That would that be, would be a, that a would be a splash. And Texas needs to make a move like that right now to keep their momentum going. Yeah. Um, let me add this final line here from Robin on that that point to kind of clarify things here because I th- I think me saying reported earlier might have put a different thought through people's heads. But um, Robin says he asked around with some Iowa writers and the consensus was that it was only a rumor at this point, possible even that McCaffrey put that m- rumor out there himself. Um, to try to get Iowa to pony up a little bit more money. But still, that could be something to watch once the season wraps up. So there you go. There's there's a little little tidbit to throw us off the rails. All right, so confirmed McCaffrey going to Notre Dame. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. We, we've been taught better than that. But, yeah, that will be a very interesting move. Uh, to say the least, I can't I can't picture a McCaffrey. I can't imagine him leaving Notre either. Dame. Like, he that's feels like weird. He, he feels like he's too old to move. That's kind of what I think. Well, um, what would Rothstein do with his Iowa tweet? It's Fran, a family business. I know. Fran's sixty three, so I mean, it feels like a weird time to start a new job. But I mean, there's no time like the present. You know, you're not you're not getting any younger. Like if you're true. gonna move and you want to to do something. Just bigger than Iowa at some point in your career. Now's the time. I just go for it, I guess. Yeah, that would be that would be an interesting move for sure. Something to keep an eye out. But yeah, Nebraska with six games left. Uh, maybe they get to tomorrow, three o'clock on Big Ten Network. Wisconsin comes to town, and it's the return of the Omaha native Chucky Hepburn, who had a pretty good game in and that building have... last year. Um, sorry, go ahead. No, no, you're fine. Uh, but he'll have plenty of people there. Oh yeah. Absolutely. So could uh, could get a little loud whenever he scores a bucket. Let's take a look at bracketology on the bubble. The last four buys belong to Nevada, USC, Oklahoma State, and Boise State. The last four in, there's going to be a couple of names in here that shock you. New Mexico, Texas A&M, North Carolina, and Kentucky. Right now, mm. both of those teams are playing in Dayton, Ohio, according to Joe Lenardi, in the first four, which would be insane. I'm back and forth on this. Like, I used to be team team parity all the way, and now I think I've swung a little bit back the other way to where I'm like, I don't know, I don't know if I like seeing North Carolina and Kentucky in the in the first four in. Well, you like seeing them lose. You like seeing them being good and then losing right. to other teams. That's, you know, some of the upstarts. But that's now, and now since times have changed, that's now a Texas, that's now a Tennessee, an Alabama, right? right? But but I'm good, like I'm good with seeing those teams succeed. You know, um, not that I guess I'm not good with North Carolina succeeding, I suppose. But like, it's not the same. It really isn't the same. And and so it's hard to, to see. Okay, Purdue, Alabama, Houston, and Arizona are all at the top. Right now, uh, the one seeds, according to Joe Lenardi, in you know of those four, Arizona is really the only quote unquote blue blood, and they're not really a blue blood. You know, they're they're a program that's rose to prominence. I feel like over the last fifteen to twenty years, so you know, it's a it's a situation where it just it doesn't feel the same. I don't know if it feels bad, but it doesn't feel the same. Because you, you, you're used to having at least one of North Carolina, Duke, Kentucky being up there on the one, two, uh, or three lines. Well, it's the, the nostalgia factor, I guess, is what you're right. trying to get at here. It's not it's not the same, but I, I still think it'll be equally as, I don't know, at least for me, I think equally as entertaining this year. You would think. I mean, you still have UCLA. UCLA is yeah. a two. Kansas is a two. I mean, Purdue is usually always in that top four seed line anyway. I know they're one seed right now, but... Um, and they're fake. I swear to God, like, I, I, w- I wouldn't say they're fake, but they're not like, they're not as good as a number one team in the country usually is. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, I think, yeah, I think that's a good way of summing it up. Because the real, the big question is, and everybody's talking about this, how is Purdue going to bounce around? Like, how are they going to get through the tournament when teams? defend Edie effectively 
and they have two freshman guards that have been like their leaders. Now I get it. They did it here in a hostile environment at right. PBA. And Fletcher Lawyer's been fantastic all year long, and same with, I always forget his name, um, number three, I'm going to look him up. But, um, I mean, the freshman guards have been phenomenal all year for Purdue, but how will they do that in a tournament setting where they've never been? Is Zach Eady going to get defended differently? Braden Smith, that's his name. Um, it's just going to be interesting. It's going to be a really, really probably tough road for Purdue to get to the final four if they want to get there yeah it's it's fascinating and by the way let's talk about Houston too because I think I caught like I caught a little bit of Houston highlights the other night and I I don't think people realize how good this program is really good and it's part of it is because they fly so far under the radar because of when and who they play the same is kind of true of Arizona like people remember watching Arizona maybe at the you know the Maui Invitational and you know some of those early invites at the beginning of the year but again because of when and who they play in their conference schedule right. mainly when than mm-hmm. who they fly under the radar like those two teams are really really good and, oh yeah and I, like I, I, I would go so far as, and this might come off as dumb later on in the year but I would go off so far as to say that Houston is better than Purdue see that I'm, gl- I'm glad you brought that up because that would be that will be a game of the year potential right there mm-hmm. because you mentioned Houston kind of flies under the radar because they're in the American, not for long. The, speaking of them switching conferences, how about the Big 12 getting better at basketball? Yeah. And we could get into that too. But yeah, Purdue-Houston matchup would be awesome, I think. I Because that would be so fascinating because I think Purdue has the advantage inside, obviously, with Edie, but mm-hmm. I think Houston has the advantage outside with everybody else. Sasser is... Sasser's on another level. Like Marcus Sasser is really, really good. And, and again, it's just, I, and, and this is like, this is like me waking up to this, right? Like I'm not like scolding other people for not knowing, but you know, I, I was not aware. I was not aware of how good Houston was until I started watching them a little bit here in recent time. And this is again, this is a good team. Like this is a team that is much improved from a year ago, and they were good a year ago. And the Big 12 will get Houston next year. They will also get Cincinnati. They will also get mm-hmm. BYU. And they will also get, why am I blanking? UCF? No. Yes. Yes. Those four. The basketball side. Are you sure it's next year? Because I think, ne- I think no, it is Texas next year. and Oklahoma haven't left yet officially. They don't leave till 24. Oh, well, I mean, like, they're going to. Oh, they'll be in at the same time. No, I think it wasn't it confirmed last night that Texas and OU are leaving early. I thought it was 24 they were leaving early for. Okay. I could be very wrong. That would be very embarrassing for me. Uh, no, I think I think you're, I think by 20 See do, by 24 do they mean the 23-24 school year or do they mean 24 like New Year's? Right, but either way it the, wouldn't matter. I I'll do some digging right now. They're joining the Big 12 soon and the Big 12 will get better. Maybe not better, but I mean, you're losing Oklahoma basketball-wise, and they're not like a perennial power. Houston is always in the top five. So there you can replace Texas pretty easily. Okay, so uh, Big 12 and its TV partners have reached an early exit agreement with Texas and Oklahoma. Uh, Schools will owe the league a combined $100 million in exit fees. They will begin play in the SEC in 2024. Okay. So, and by the way, that was another fascinating part about this, right? Because, again, it all came down to the TV partners. And and so you had a situation where, like, the Big Big Ten, or rather Fox, was supposed to get Michigan and Texas. And it it was originally supposed to be played at Texas. And for some reason, they had to negotiate and switch the location so that they play in Michigan in 2024 and then in Texas in 2027. Money, money, money. It's all about the money. $100 million in exit fees is nuts. I mean... Big 12 just got richer, I guess, but I mean, they'll improve. I, I don't want to necessarily say improve because I don't want to like disrespect Oklahoma and Texas because they're both great athletic programs in football and basketball. But I think you, you have your wins and losses with losing Texas and Oklahoma and you have your wins and losses with adding the other four teams. Right. And it's definitely more on the other sports side. <laughs> like, yeah. 
the football side. Uh, I mean, Houston is solid at football. BYU is always lingering around the top solid. 25. Yeah, and maybe and it's Cincinnati. possible. It's possible that a, a jump for those schools to a Power Five conference improves recruiting and brings a level of play up for them over time. Yeah, I think I, that's more than possible. I honestly, I think the Big Twelve is going to be just fine in in the grand. The basketball scheme of wise, basketball wise, it's exciting. Yeah, and by the way, basketball wise with the SEC. Also pretty exciting. Yeah, the like, addition of Texas in there is f- phenomenal for them. Yeah, and I w- I would say you know you got a power three really going in, yeah. in the it, like you're gonna have the Big Ten, the SEC, and the Big Twelve being your top three, mm-hmm. and the Pac-12. I mean it's debatable, but usually you're looking at Arizona, UCLA, maybe USC. And Oregon being right. relevant. Yeah, no, nobody wants... That's four out of the, yeah, how many teams? The issue with the Pac-12 is nobody really wants anything to do with the bottom half. Right. Like, you mentioned the schools that everybody pays attention to and the name brands. And, by the way, though, the Big Ten is starting to sort of... Like, this year, I, I mean, this year the Big Ten is sort of drifting into that territory. Right. But once... Yeah. But once they get the addition of USC, UCLA... I don't know. Uh, obviously, teams such as Nebraska, football-wise, mm-hmm. need to improve in order to to get themselves out of that category yeah. as well. And then, like that's the other thing you wonder too, because Arizona is going to be continue to be good. And so, what happens when UCLA and USC leave Arizona, and Arizona is the only? It's like Arizona's the only, I guess, and Oregon. Um, but Oregon's been down for a couple of years now. But Arizona is like the only team in the in the Pac twelve. Yeah, in the Pac twelve. I think they need to. I know you see the problem is it's money, and the problem is why wouldn't the Pac-12 just say, "Hey, Gonzaga, come play in our conference"? But right. wait, you don't have football. I, that's the only thing that's holding that conversation back too. Because let's let's be honest, Gonzaga belongs in the Pac-12 basketball-wise. Mm-hmm. That's where they belong. That's not a knock. Like the WCC is a fine league. It's the top four in Santa Clara, San Francisco, St. Mary's. I guess you could say top five for now with BYU and then Gonzaga. But after that, Gonzaga's head and shoulders above everybody else. And they usually are head and shoulders above everybody, period, in that conference. So that's what kind of frustrates me there, that the football aspect is the only thing that's holding that back. Um, But anyway, Wisconsin is the first four out on the bubble to this game. Tomorrow at Nebraska means a lot for them. Uh, They need to come out with a win because a road loss to Nebraska. Where keep in mind, the Huskers have been good at home this year. They're eight and three. Yep, they've been good at PBA. Now they've had the one bad loss to Illinois, but again, we all know the Purdue game. Um, They've been they've been pretty good at the vault this year. So this is a big game for Wisconsin. One seeds: Purdue, Alabama, Houston, and Arizona. Texas, Tennessee, Kansas, and UCLA are all two seeds as it stands right now. The team up the road on I-80, number six, Creighton, they're a top six seed now. Yeah, Everybody f- watch out. It's a fascinating, fascinating thing. They have UConn on, on Saturdays and tomorrow as we record this on Friday. At 1 p.m. That's a big game. That's a, a huge really game. good big game. And this week's game's not quite as good as last week. Baylor TCU, pretty solid. Um, but really, other than that, uh, it's a rel- relatively light schedule. And to touch on Creighton for just one second, all all of the goals that they have are right in front of them. Now, they don't get Xavier, but they split with Xavier already. Yep. They have, they're currently fourth in the Big East. Xavier's in first, Marquette is in second, and they're tied with Providence for third. They're both a game back of first place. They get UConn tomorrow. They're at number 20 Providence on the 14th, and then they host number 10 Marquette on the 21st. All they and I know it's easier said than done, but they are it, the path for them to win the Big East regular season title is right in front of them. After that six and six start, you'd think we're crazy talking about that. Yeah, no, and it's because, and I think, gosh, I hope I hope we said it at the time. <laughs> But, like, it's a long season, right? And, and you have plenty of time to get your issues corrected. And they're starting, again, I, I think they talked about on the Fox Studio show uh, after Creighton's most recent victory. This is a team that is starting to play at the level that everybody thought they were capable of preseason. Mm-hmm. And so the question becomes now, can they sustain that and can they can, can they grow that, right? Because you wonder, all right, 
when is the peak coming? Are they at the peak right now? Or can we get the peak going in about the first mm-hmm. week of March? And that's where you want to be. 21 UConn coming tomorrow at Providence, at St. John's, at home against number 10 Marquette. I mean, if Creighton takes care of business, they're winning out because their last three games, Villanova, Georgetown, and it pains me to say this, DePaul. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. going to win those three games. Yeah. So they're 10 and 2 ever since starting 6 and 6. Creighton has really turned it around. It's been honestly impressive to watch, and they may win. And, and by the way, like that southern, southern region features. Purdue, Auburn, TCU, Xavier, Creighton, Iowa State, Maryland, UCLA, and I think Duke. No, Duke's not in there anymore. Used Duck. to be, um, but like that's that's a powerhouse region. Clemson in there too. Like those are some good matchups. Yeah, it's gonna be a fun NCAA tournament. I'm really excited. Coming up in just a couple of weeks. Nebraska and Wisconsin tomorrow at three o'clock on Big Ten Network at PBA. One thing that's been bothering me, and I, I don't even want to say bothering me, but it makes me like think about like, hey, maybe I should just be like, maybe I should be doing more career-wise because we have a 24-year-old football coach on the staff. That's true. And it do. makes me feel like I'm behind in life because I'm working yesterday. We're doing the Hill Varsity Radio Show, and we have 22 different sound bites from the press conferences and one of them was coach McGuire a couple of them were and hearing this guy talk because it was the first time I heard him talk because I was busy doing other stuff all day he sounds younger than you and I right which is crazy well it's not that hard to sound younger than you well yeah <laughs> but I, I sound like I'm 30 all right uh okay uh so <laughs> was that too young yeah okay. um but no it was fascinating that was that was something else. Uh, yeah, I, like it's interesting. Like you hear him talked up as a Lincoln Riley esque guy. Sounds pretty mature. So it's now it's again it's just like it's all talk, right? Like I, I run into this with baseball a lot of time, and I'm as guilty of it as anybody. Like there's a feature I'm writing for Saturday that's definitely talk, and it's like if if the person I'm writing about doesn't play well the, it, the, throughout the year, this thing's gonna look pretty dumb uh, eventually, right? Gosh. But you know, so it's all talk right now, right? Like, but you gotta like what you're hearing. And he's got honey buns and pop tarts in his office. Mm. I'm in. Yes, I'm there. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It was. It was interesting. It was interesting to hear from him. We still have not hear heard from Dvorak. That's the last. That's the last mm-hmm. uh, coach assistant that we haven't heard from, uh, which is odd. I don't know what they're going to do if they're going to put him by himself out there because they've paired every assistant so far. Uh, But, uh, yeah, I think it was really, really interesting to hear from him. And uh, I'm fascinated because, again, like your two youngest coaches on the staff are your DBs and your uh, wide receivers coach. So I really hope, I really hope we get a bit of a window into what practice looks like with those two going at it. Uh, and and get to see some of the interactions of this coaching staff with each other in in the uh, weeks and months to come, Uh, especially as we get closer to fall camp. I I don't know how tight-lipped the rule administration is going to be when it comes to coaches. Frost admin, we got in twice for practice and watched about 15 minutes each. Well, you weren't missing much, apparently. I mean, you saw it all on the field anyway, but I feel like that was something that we just had to mention because that was a big story yesterday. For sure. Real quick before we get out of here, Husker baseball starts in... Days. Seven days, three hours, 40 minutes, and 55 seconds and counting Mm. from when I just read that off of the Husker baseball website. Four-game series at San Diego starting next Friday at 8 (sighs) o'clock. Rough. Rough opening. 8 p.m. first pitch. Yeah. And then they follow that up with a three-game set at South Alabama. And then... Then they get the cupcake, you know, in Vanderbilt and Ole Miss, and and, <laughs> then, they're, and are, then they're at home. By the way, those games are on BTN Plus. That's so, crazy. Yeah, that's I don't like borderline that. criminal. Uh, yeah. It is also the the only thing is it's the same com- week as conference tourney week for Ooh, women's hoops. Yeah, that's part of why. Okay, that that makes more sense then. But like a marquee non-conference event like that. Uh, should see some form of televised nature that's better than what it's getting. 
Uh, so BTM Plus for those games. ESPN Plus, it looks like for South Alabama, the back to mm-hmm. Saturday and Sunday games are on that right now. And then the San Diego series, every one of those games will be viewable on the West Coast Conference Network. Oh, uh, thank you. I didn't I think know that. they're free. I think it's going to be free. Uh, really? But we'll see. I, I think it's WCC, but it's like they have a certain deal with Stadium, and anything that isn't featured on Stadium is free. So gotcha. that's your that's your look at that. But again, 8 o'clock and 7 p.m. first pitches on Friday and Saturday, is that's rough stuff. A little Huskers after dark on the West Coast. But, but- I think you got to get used to it. Oh, yeah. You got to get used to it because when UCLA and USC join the league, you're going to be seeing a lot of games like this games that have a first pitch at 2 o'clock in the afternoon on Sunday or 1 o'clock, which is pretty much normal for us. But for the players, it's going to be three, three hours or so earlier. Uh, and then again, those late night, early weekend starts like you're seeing with uh, Friday and Saturday. It's, yeah, it's going to be weird. It's going to be an adjustment, but. Uh, a tough opening series. Let's see how the Huskers do against San Diego. They came out with a photo shoot in their new uniforms, and I am scared <laughs> because they look cool. But Nebraska is also bringing the script back on their right. white uniforms. So now the Toreros last year they end up winning their conference tourney. So this is also this is an RPI opportunity. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. for for Nebraska, this is this will be a serious series. Top 25 for college baseball preseason. Oregon 25, Texas Tech 24, South Carolina at 23, Miami at 22, NC State at 21, Alabama at 20. Um, 19 through 10 here is Virginia, Southern Miss, UCLA, Louisville, TCU, Virginia Tech, Maryland, North Carolina, East Carolina, and Vanderbilt. And 9 through 1, Oklahoma State, Arkansas, Florida, Wake Forest, Texas A&M, Ole Miss, the defending champs, Stanford, Tennessee, and LSU. So we'll get rocking with that in about a week. Looking forward to it. Um, And hopefully the Huskers are able to have a successful seven-game road trip to uh, start off the year in 2023. Then they're at home for about a month straight, except for one road trip up to Omaha, and that's about it. So... Uh, a lot of chances to get out to Haymarket Park and watch the Huskers play some baseball and try and get back into the mix of a Big Ten title. Before we wrap it up, it's Friday, Grant. Any mm. any closing remarks? The Super Bowl, the Super Bowl is on we got to make our picks. So make them. I'm going Chiefs 27-20. No, check that. Chiefs 31-28. We'll go a little bit higher score. Oh, you're optimistic, aren't you? I, I think... I heard this somewhere today. I think I think it was maybe Dan Orlovsky who said this, but if you're a Chiefs fan, you want the over, and if you're an Eagles fan, you want the under to hit. I think that's fair. I think that's a good point. Um, I'm going to go Eagles. As much as I don't want to, I'm going to go Eagles. I think it's going to be a fantastic game regardless. Oh, do I do I just steal the, the fake script score? 37-34? Steal the script. Um, script I'm going to go 31-28 Philly. So they're going to win despite being a higher scoring game, but I I think they're just they're just so good from top to bottom, and I still don't think Phillies really deserve the respect that or gotten the respect that they deserve all year. To be honest, I I, I disagree. I I think the disrespect narrative reg- not, I'm, regarding both teams is ridiculously overblown. I don't uh, and but I don't think they're like being like oh yeah Philly sucks, but like. I, I, at least for me, it felt like I never heard about him during the regular season. Never. They were the number one seed in the NFC wire to wire. Yeah, I mean, no. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think I heard plenty. I mean, you're in the Because their, their offensive line was fantastic and is fantastic. Like, the reason the Eagles are as good as they are, yes, they have Alshon Jeffrey, or not Alshon Jeffrey. Jesus. They have uh, A.J. Brown, <laughs> who... who is plays very similarly, I feel like. That tells me all I need to know about how much you've heard about the Eagles this yes, year. Yes, <laughs> right? Uh, his game is similar, it feels like to me. Um, Devonta Smith, like those two pieces are huge, but the fact that they're able to produce what they're able to produce in the run game and win what they are able to win at the line of scrimmage, they're dominant on both sides of the ball there. A big part of that is Hassan Reddick, who's a, who's a Matt Rule product, obviously, right? Uh, but like, I, I maintain that Miles Sanders is not a fantastic running back um like as in yeah i mean he's he's pretty good but i'm not saying like he's not a top five running back in this league he's 
maybe not even a top 10, um, which definitely does sound like disrespect, but it's respect towards his offensive line. Like that offensive line, whether it's Sanders running behind it or Gainwell, um, like they're producing with every one of those guys. Now, Sanders is obviously really, really, really good, right? But I think. I, I think that to me is the most impressive thing is how strong this team is at the line of scrimmage. And you gotta wonder, can the Chiefs deal with that? Can the Chiefs get enough of a pass rush home to make Jalen Hurts a little bit uncomfortable? Um, can they protect Patrick Mahomes? Not sure how mobile he's going to be, right? So that to me, like with so many games, obviously, it's decided the line of scrimmage. But that's where my eyes are this week. I think it'll be a close game. You have Chiefs, I have Eagles. What color is the Gatorade going to be? Uh, orange. Orange. What was it last year? Don't remember. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll. you know what? I'll just say orange. How too. many Whopper commercials are we getting? Zero. Two and a half is the over-under. I think they're going to do something more extravagant. Because like, the Super Bowl. <sighs> yeah. Because you pay so much more one. money for those spots. I would hit the under. I would say if you're doing it, you're sitting at a half. Yeah, and going I think it's fair. over under, and I would. So you're basically saying more than zero or zero. And and Rihanna's performing at halftime. So right. Don't forget about that. Do not forget about. She is back. She is back. She's back like she never left. But should be a good game on Sunday. Chiefs Eagles Super Bowl Fifty Seven, and uh, en- enjoy the game. Get your spread of food. And What's our spread? I know I'm bringing the guac, but I haven't like I don't remember I, I, what you're see, cooking. I, we lived together. I had no idea that you were doing that. Yeah, well, it was very <laughs> spur of the moment. I forgot that you were cooking until you said you were cooking because you had told me that in like the fall that you wanted to cook for the Super Bowl. Yeah, I don't I'm, remember what you're you're cooking. Though. I'm gonna do the chicken mozzarella sliders on the Hawaiian rolls. I can make a portion without cheese for you if you want, uh-huh. because I know you can't have that. Um, and then there's going to be garlic butter on top of the Hawaiian rolls. Can you have that? Probably not. Okay. Well, then I'm going to stick them in the oven for like 10 minutes so they get all melty and stuff, and it's going to be fantastic. And I'll, we'll have some other like snacky foods, but we are hosting. I, this is the second year we've hosted mm-hmm. different kind of crew uh, running the. Ho- we're the same. Well, but- I th- I think it's an addition because. It's a different crew being added to the same crew, so it's going to yes. be like double. Yeah, but I it's think more so. open this time. Our apartment last year was not very open, correct? And that was not ideal for having people over. But yes, we're, we're going to do round two this year and, and see how it works. I'm but excited. I'm excited too. I, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Saturday or Sunday is going to feel like a Saturday for me, so I'm I'm looking forward to it. So. Enjoy the Super Bowl on Sunday. Enjoy the basketball game tomorrow in Nebraska, Wisconsin. Once again, you can find our show on Twitter at Husker Weekly. Just find us on Twitter at C underscore Clark underscore 27 and at Hanson, not Hanson. And search Husker Sports Weekly in the search bar of your favorite podcast networks to find our show. Enjoy the weekend. We'll talk to you next week. And until then, go Big Red.